All right, so normally I would start the show by telling you guys, you know, welcome to this episode of the show. But I, I, I got to say, I feel like we, we need something a little different. I feel like the name of our show needs to be spruced up, jazzed up. Like, I don't know. You know how like X-Men was called X-Men and then it was called Uncanny X-Men and then it was cool? I see. Oh, true. Like, you think you think the brand needs a refreshing? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. A rebranding. Right. So I came up with an idea, and what we're gonna do is, I've got for those of you who are on YouTube, you'll be able to see this. Uh, I've got a list here of names, titles that have been used in comics, and I'm gonna roll these sweet X Men dice. That I have right here. Hopefully you can oh, see that. Damn. Oh, nice. And whatever it lands on is what we're going to be for the day. So I'm going to go over the titles for you guys really fast. Uncanny, Spectacular, Extreme, Incredible, Ultimate, Immortal, Amazing, West Coast, Great Lakes, Of America, Sensational, and International. God, so, I hope we're not the Great Lake Comics pals. That would suck. <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> I, I, Go ahead. When Sean threw out West Coast, I was like, I could see that. I could yeah. see us being like, all right, cool. It's like, you know, we're all going to move over to, you know, the, the West Coast. We're going to do a little sun, a little surf. Do the whole you show know? like rocket power. <laughs> <laughs> we are riders on a mission, Kale. All right. I'm going to roll the dice here. Here we go. Truly in more ways than one. <laughs> true. And we got a nine, so we are. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> intro us now. Here we go. Oh boy! All right, let's go. You're listening to episode 182 of the Great Lakes Comics yeah! Pod. Son of a bitch! <laughs> We're a group of comic book journalists Lakes. and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. A lake smell. Can we quarantine to change that name? <laughs> I don't even know where the Great Lakes are. What is that, Michigan? Yeah, yeah that's, yeah. that's okay. probably where we'd end up. We could we yeah. should be closer Ontario. to closer to Canadian Wolverine though. Ah, uh, damn! Now we're gonna get a Canuck in here. That's true. <laughs> oh yeah, go fishing in Lake Ontario, eh? He's been, you know, he's been saying off mic how hard the commute is. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that would be pretty difficult. <laughs> a rowboat gets <laughs> around off the lakes. Um, well, after so- after last week uh, with the reading that we did, I actually heard that he was getting some calls from Hollywood. <laughs> I believe it. Question: that's, can, that's Does Canadian that Hollywood Marco our Squirrel Girl? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. Swamp Thing. No. no. Okay, nice that's try. first of all, that's not the right company, number one. <laughs> Get starters. that right. Uh, number two, I don't think Squirrel Girl and Man Thing have ever been on the same team. They haven't. Maybe they should. <laughs> um, hold on, hold on. Everyone, everyone quiet for a second. Marco, let me follow that logic through. What do you have in mind? Yeah. Uh, well, so obviously, right, Man Thing lives in the, sw- the Everglades of Florida. Uh, and Squirrel okay, Girl happens. Not the Great Lakes. It's not. It's not. <laughs> Let me finish. So, right? Okay. Squirrels, specifically Canadian squirrels, live in like colder regions, right? So that could be the, the mm-hmm. area surrounding the immediate uh, Great Lakes. And 
Swamp Thing, I mean Swamp Thing, and Man Thing can travel because he's going to visit another somewhat moist and uh, and and uh. and watery environment. <laughs> will be there at the Great Lakes and meet up with Squirrelgo and fight the villain in the Great Lakes that's taking it over or something. This is the worst pitch um, for a story what I've the ever. The hell Guys, are you talking so about? I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading the live Discord questions we're getting for the show, and yeah, to answer your question, everyone that's asking, I do regret asking the question. Good call. <laughs> yeah. Do squirrels yeah. swim? I should no, they jet so. ski. They jet ski. Mm. <laughs> I, that's. I mean, that's why Squirrel Girl's on the team, obviously. God, I can't believe we're the Great Lakes Comics Pals. This is a demotion by, like, clearly. We could have been well, the Extreme I, Comics Pals. Pouches absolutely. How can you not believe that? <laughs> <laughs> we're doing this for every, 180 episodes. <laughs> every space in the world needs heroes, and we just happen to be the chosen ones for the Great Lakes. I don't see the problem. <laughs> well, there's five Great Lakes, and there's five of us, so that's pretty. that makes sense. There you go. I call it energy. I I love <laughs> Sean's commitment to the bit right now, but can you think of any of us who would be less equipped to move to the Great Lakes? I don't see Sean thriving in Michigan. Why not? Ooh, yeah, yeah, hey what? Pete. Hey, hey Pete. Um, why not? You know what? I I'll tell you exactly why not. No, it's because listening. I'm I'm rewatching Daredevil, right? I mentioned that on the show last week, and they were talking about how when you're born in New York, the city's in your blood. And I don't know that I've ever met somebody who exemplifies that more than Sean. You huh. love New York. Because you love New York and you hate leaving it unless you're flying to a wrestling show. How do you know that I love New York? <laughs> yeah, this is fucking weird. You say it? This is a it sounds like some fucking New York values bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I really thought it was going to be a Detroit joke, but... I thought it was going to be a black joke. Um, no! Yeah. <laughs> Instead, it ended up being a no joke. All right. Well, I'd be in Toronto. <laughs> You'd be in Toronto for what? For yeah, Lake Ontario. For? Oh. Ontario? Yeah. Ontario? <laughs> hey, that's what hey, I said. Lake hey, Ontario. Hey, Marco, real quick. That's not how you say it. <laughs> what do you think the Great Lakes are? In Canada. Yeah, Mark, can like what, There are five lakes. of them. What are they? Uh, uh, the acronym is HOMES. It's uh, Ontario, Michigan, Erie. Uh, shit, I forget the. I forget <laughs> Two the more, other baby. Ones. I forget the other ones. <laughs> All right, There's Marco, Lake Superior. Ah, that's it. One, one more. <laughs> oh, that one was branded by Superior or by Supreme. Yeah, that's the that's the I don't Superior. It's like Supreme like, now. <laughs> I don't know the All last right, come one. Come on, baby. One more lake. I don't know it. Like Huron. Well, what, what's the acronym, dog? Holmes. <laughs> you but forgot the, the first letter. I know, but I didn't know it. All right. Very All right. good. Uh, now that we've <laughs> quizzed Marco on his knowledge of the Great Lakes, <laughs> and he failed tremendously, uh, if you want to get in touch with the Great Lakes Comics Pals, uh, there are plenty of ways that you can do that. You can... Uh, <laughs> Operate a lighthouse can, uh, at the edge of a cliff. <laughs> That's pretty good. I want our Twitter to be changed to the Great Lakes Comics Pals for the rest of the week. That's what I want. I, I also love that Kale said it would be a lighthouse. Are there lighthouses on lakes? Yes. The, on the Great Lakes, yeah, they're big enough. All right. Definitely one on like my region. <laughs> the more you know. 
So if you head on over to Twitter or Instagram and you uh, go ahead and type in the Comics Pals, we will absolutely come up. Uh, if you want to get us on an email, you can write to us at comicspals at gmail.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, of course, youtube.com slash thecomicspals. Uh, make sure that you guys drop us a comment, leave us a like, share the video with your friends, and subscribe to our channel to uh, help us out. Uh, if you want to hit the notification bell, you'll be made aware when we drop new content. All those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. If you want the best way to connect with us, that would be to join our Discord. There will be a link to that in the description for this, whether it's a video or a podcast for you. Uh, we always have really good conversations over on the Discord server, so you're absolutely going to want to... Uh, what's so funny? I went to go change our Twitter, and someone already did it. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really pleased with that. I like that. <laughs> Marco listens oh. to me after all. Old Squirrel Girl at it again. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the Discord, we're going to go straight to a question from the Discord. Uh, this comes from Springheel Rick, a.k.a. Harris, who you guys will know as a frequent commenter and friend of us. Uh, and he says the following. Oh, no, it is coming. A random question. If Michael Bay were to help, it's time for the random question of the week. Hey, there it is. <laughs> that was a twofer. He got to do his yell, and he got to interrupt me. That's uh, that's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> if Michael Bay were to helm a superhero property, what would your pick slash prediction be? I would pick the most over the top X Force film with Liefeld as a producer. LOL. Maybe even a less random question. Is there a director you wish to take on a superhero property who has not done so? I would be hyped to see what David Fincher can do with a hero or villain. I can imagine a standalone psych-heavy Riddler movie done by him. Okay, so we'll take the first question on first, which is uh, what would you like to see Michael Bay work on? Is nothing an answer? No. <laughs> oh, okay. you, know, you know which comic property I really like? The Transformers. <laughs> right god I, I think i'd like to see him do about seven of those i think yeah right i feel like he'd be really good at that uh i actually really liked harris's suggestion of x-force, X-Force movie. Yeah. I, I think that i think you could totally see how that could come together yeah you know if it was just like a big dumb action movie like all right well, maybe <laughs> why not i mean it, if if you're going into an X-Force movie expecting, especially by Michael Bay, especially or expecting more than big dub action, you're nuts. But I think that in that realm, he could do something pretty cool. Maybe not something like, you know, that it, that it is, is bigger than just big dub action. But in that, there's a lot of room for fun. Yeah, I think you have to think about what are what's a property that you could get by on that. You know that's would work for just dumb action, right? Yeah, it lends like, itself that's to that. All you need, yeah, like that's the substance of it, really. And I, I'm trying to think of like who Suicide is a Squad. Good... Suicide yeah, Squad. I could see that. Yeah, Suicide Squad could be good because it would it could just be like them, just literally, just nothing but action sequences, just mowing motherfuckers down, like like Fast and the Furious style. Kind of, you know, just like high octane for a hundred percent of the movie. That could be all right. 
Yeah. Oh, what about uh, Punisher? Just like shooting stuff oh, off, blowing yeah. things up. Or, or like uh, maybe even like Deathstroke. Yeah, yeah. Like any any assassin type character, you know, just like give it like the John Wick treatment. Just throw bodies at them for an hour and a half. <laughs> sure. I think I think a Punisher movie though would be a bit uh, regressive, just because yeah. of the show yeah. is so good. Sh- yeah. Um, I think we've now established that the Punisher is a deeper character than what he pro- what everyone probably thought he was before that show. So now I'm cool on a Michael Bay Punisher movie. Yeah, I don't really want that anymore. I guess you're right. Nah, give me a Michael Bay Punisher. JB, JB, you know, he, he elevated it to like a, a level where like I appreciated the character on, in a way I hadn't ever before. JB, are you guys pals? What are you? you John, guys- yeah, my man John Bernthal, you know, the boys. <laughs> Uh, okay, I had no idea. Who what? The fuck so Phil can be friends about. with Captain America, and I can't know the Punisher. Yeah. Yep. Well, whatever. Fine. You guys will get to hang out. Clear. Next He's time not actually over. friends with Captain America. <laughs> well, what are you trying to say? Let me screen Captain this America. Uh, he, he's a role. Um. Wow. <laughs> Does anyone else have an answer to Harris's first question? Squirrel Girl. <laughs> By Michael Bay? Yeah, give me Boy. a lot of acorn-related explosions, baby. It's and Megan Fox plays Squirrel Girl. Now we're talking. All right. <laughs> I'd, I'd hate to put someone else in the, in the sexual harassment line of fire that Michael Bay is made of. Whoa. All right. Yeah, I heard about all that. He was nope. te- he was terrible to her all throughout. Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he was real that, bad. Not surprising, I guess. But yeah, squirrel girl. I just want to see the uh, acorns explode and let the bodies hit the floor. You know, it'd be pretty good. <laughs> Let's uh, go back to the dressing room and put something on that uh, really uh, uh, puts out those acorns, squirrel girl. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, this is a good. This is a good rabbit hole, a good squirrel hole to go down. Any other responses to the question at hand? I wish I had another one now. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Watchmen. Um, Watchmen? No, stop it. I was thinking that actually. That's insane. Why were you thinking that? Because like at some points it had like action sequences that were like a little more high octane, especially when you were looking at the uh, what you call it movie. What's his face? Um, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. You mean the Watchmen that movie? Guy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the one and movie. only. That guy. Uh, I, I think there are there are moments there where it could lend itself to some of this, that over the top action sequences. Um, not to say it'll be good. Just I'm just saying, strip like, back all the psychology. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I'm just saying, just know, really focus on the punching, <laughs> the punching and the 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 body popping. Okay, here's an idea for a Michael Bay movie. Spider-Man. Mm. Perfect choice, right? Peter Parker? <laughs> Big dumb action. Wait, for him to play the role? Yeah. Is that what you were saying? Michael Bay <laughs> as Spider-Man? This is his first starring role? Yeah, web bombs, baby. Only, only if he's supposed to be 15. Right. In high school. <laughs> like, if he's a sophomore, then then maybe I'm down. All right. So, uh, and then let's quickly tackle Harris's other question. Which was, is there a director you wish to take on a superhero property who has not done so? 
Yeah, I know exactly what I want. I've pitched it on the show before. Uh, I think an Alex Garland, who's the director of uh, Ex Machina and Annihilation and Ghost Directed and wrote Dread and has that show Devs on FX right now. I'd love to see his Green Lantern with Oscar Isaac as the titular Green Lantern. Ooh, which Green Lantern? Which Lantern would he be? Probably, uh, probably Kyle. Probably, Ooh, um, okay. What's his name? John. Nah, what's his name? Uh, Stewart? Yeah, probably John Stewart. <laughs> Oscar Isaacs. No big deal. Now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> what could go wrong? He plays the Daily Show host. I uh I don't have an answer for this. I don't pay attention to a lot of directors and whatnot. Um, most of the directors that I like, I, they've already made a superhero movie, and uh, the ones that haven't don't matter. So I don't have an answer. When I'm th- when I'm thinking about like who I'd really want to see the most, it's the it's Edgar Wright, you know, and like he was supposed to do Ant Man and then yeah. backed away. Um, and I think the reasons I'd want to see him do it are the reasons that he probably won't ever get to, you know, um, he would have to, it would have to be like an auteur driven kind of thing. Like it would have to be like when we talked about um, like Tarantino doing Luke Cage, right? Like, it would it's have to like be a like a, sorry, <laughs> it would have to be like its own self-contained thing where he can just do whatever he wants. Um, and I just don't see that happening. Yeah. Denny Villeneuve's saga. Huh. Who what's he done? He's done Arrival, right. Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Sicario. Oh, he's about to okay. do Dune. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That'd I'd be, be cool. into that. Shit. Uh he's got big sci fi chops. I think I think we've talked about pick. in the past Brad Bird and Superman. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a great fit. I was also thinking of uh the rumor that was going around for the um the the director of uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, um, uh, George Miller. Yeah. Yes. Miller. He he was talking about doing, or uh, the rumor was that he was going to do a Superman film yep. for a while. And I thought I thought I was like that. Dude, I'll, yeah, I'd watch him do anything really. The director of Babe and Babe Pig in the City doing Superman. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now we're talking. Just saying, dude. He's I'm got same talking, energy. Right? Same energy. Who? Wait. Wait. <laughs> Ooh, 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 ah, e. You guys hear that? Right there. Ooh, ooh, that beat is funky. Ah, lose yourself to the groove. It's Phil's Funky Factoid of the Day. On this day in 1938, the release of Action Comics number one, baby, <laughs> starring the first ever superhero, the Man of Steel himself, Superman. That's been Funky Phil's Factoid of the Day. I don't mean to ruin your mojo there, Funky Phil, but that's actually incorrect. DC has stated that Wonder Woman is actually the first superhero, and uh, in fact, she inspired <laughs> all of the superheroes that would come after her. So, Well, that's why it's a factoid. Huh? <laughs> all right. Uh, let's, let's move wait, over wait, to I another- Wait, wait, I did have one more. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interrupt shots. 
can't uh, <laughs> um, good god uh, uh, a spirit movie by martin scorsese like a la like the raging bull kind of aesthetic nice hmm all right i, I fuck with that great uh so <laughs> this this next one comes from a good friend of the show ryan klubeck who is uh, hitting us up again via discord to say uh, what what are the best creator-owned Warren Ellis stories or the best Ellis stories, period? I love the Wildstorm and his authority run. What else? Warren Ellis is a big hole for me. I don't um, I don't know a lot of Warren Ellis. He's really good. Um, that Wildstorm book that he just did was really, really good. Um, that was exceptional. Uh, I never read his authority run, but like Bruce Tim based... Justice League, the cartoon, pretty much exclusively on his reading of the Authority. Oh wow! From the nineties, huh. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that I've read much of his uh, his independent stuff. Well, you're a big fan of um, Castlevania, Pete, which he wrote. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he's the lead writer on uh, Netflix's Castlevania show, which is real good um, and real horny. <laughs> Sounds like you, Pete. Real good and real horny. Ooh, talk to me, baby. I would say that a lot of his image, his his image stuff is pretty good. Um, Transmetro is obviously one of his like phenomenal works. Transmetropolitan, um, right? I really like uh, Injection. Uh, that's an image book. That one's really really good. The art's excellent on that. And it has like these like higher sort of concepts that he started to introduce in that series, or like in some of the series like following his trees was really good um he's also done some stuff on hellblazer which his arcs are pretty fun and then there's one that i'm trying to like find specifically because it was uh uh, cemetery beach it came out maybe like two three years ago uh another image book that was really really good it's just like high octane action he his in an interview he specifically said that that book was him just trying to draw or trying to write uh back to back to back action sequences and uh like keep it as high octane as he possibly could so that'd be a good book i think for if you're looking for that sort of angle did anyone read the uh planetary no Mm -mm. i've always wanted to though easily my favorite warren ellis stuff and admittedly i i for some reason he's Probably the only like top level modern writer who I have very little familiarity with. But uh, one of my favorite runs of all time is actually his. Uh, his run on Thunderbolts from the uh, late 2000s, about 2007 or so. He was the one who reintroduced the world to Norman Osborn after he had been gone from the comics for quite some time. Um, and then that was with Mike Diodato Jr., who, of course, would go on to become one of the most prominent artists and one of my favorites. Um, and then also his Iron Man Extremis, which was like the framework for Iron Man for years and years up till now, really. So, uh, yeah, those two are probably the ones that are my favorites from him. That was the first Iron Man book I ever read, actually, Iron Man Extremis. Me too. That was where I got my start. Um, Maybe the same, yeah. Fun, fun fact, he and Rick Remender wrote Dead Space, the video game. That's yeah. crazy. Wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. yeah he's really? Right on that. I just yep. looked that up. 
I had no idea that either of them worked on that. I love that. That's crazy. I can't kick. Yeah, well, the the first ones, like I've I've never really played with them, but the first one is like one of those like all time great horror stories and games. Oh, that was cool. I I didn't know about Remender Um, for that. And obviously, that's that's really dope. Yeah. (laughs) But you knew Uh, that Alice had worked on it. Yeah, that that I definitely knew. My my brother was a big fan of that game, so that's cool, man. Um, I always liked Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey's Moon Knight. That's a modern classic. That's pretty good. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. I read that um when it was contemporary, I guess, which was like what 2012, I guess. No, no, it was like 2016. Yeah. Oh, it was later. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. That was that was Marvel Now, I think, which was like 2016. Oh, okay, okay. That was a really good book. I think it only ran like 12 issues or something. It was really, really good. Short and, and sweet. In a lot yeah. of ways, yeah. And in a lot of ways, I think that kind of launched Moon Knight into like uh, the public eye. Cause yeah, that was the only reason I had. Now. Yeah, that was the only reason I had any familiarity with him. A friend of mine was like really into that run and was like, "You have to read it. Moon Knight is so weird." <laughs> like I know, like I think he was in Ultimate Alliance two or something like that. And, like, he was in the first some one, random I think. thing. Okay, and like that was the only touchstone I had for him aside from that run. Uh, Bendis had a run on him in the 2000s that was okay. So, we good on uh, Ryan's question there? Sure. Yep. So. All right. Well, did, did Ryan, do you have right a favorite uh, Ellis run? Let us know. Uh, he mentions the Wildstorm and Authority. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> thank you, uh, Ryan and Harris, Spring Hero Rick on the Discord. And if you guys want to get questions into us, you can definitely join our Discord server and uh, ask us questions in the questions uh, thread or whatever on Discord. You can also write write to us at comicspals at gmail.com, and we'll definitely uh, read your questions on the air. It doesn't have to be a question. It could just be a comment on something we talk about here on the show, whatever you feel like chatting about. Uh, join the conversation with us. So, um, oh, Sean, yeah. um, before you go, uh, the just a quick shout out because you mentioned comments. Uh, Wilbur Shears did comment on one of our most recent episodes. Yes. So, shout out to that dude. Uh, he's a. Uh, I feel like he, he's he's asked a question maybe once or twice, and, and they've been pretty insightful. So, just a quick shout out. Uh, his comment was something about Killer Be Killed. He's still waiting for us to do a Killer Be Killed <laughs> book club. Book club. Oh, that's right. Well, keep waiting, we'll, Will. We'll get to it. <laughs> we we don't want to be killed uh, or kill anyone, honestly. So I could stand to be killed. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, that's dark. Uh, I actually just want to read his, his actual um, comment, if I can... If I can find it, which I certainly can, because this is what we do. Um, and some quick, a quick uh, two more books to shout out because I just remembered uh, one with uh, Colleen Duran, who I really like. Uh, they did a web comic called Finality, maybe like a year or two ago. <clears throat> um, this is Warren Ellis. Warren books. Ellis, yeah, yeah, Warren Ellis book. Uh, and then he also did uh, James Bond for Dynamite, and that was a good run. All right. So this is what Will said. Still holding out for that Killer Be Killed book club. I've been pitching it to my friends as Death Note meets Taxi Driver. So uh, Death Note is something that I have 0.0 familiarity with. Um, Taxi Driver more so. Uh, 
Do you know like the the pitch for Death Note at all, or you just mean you haven't seen? it? I think it's about it's about a dude who encounters a book that does something, and there's some kind of William Dafoe demon <laughs> that's somehow involved. Yeah, the isn't the thing Marco he writes the someone's name in the book and then they die. Yeah, yeah, and the 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 demon comes. Uh, he he like drops the book because he likes to fuck around with humanity. And so he he gave he gives this one kid the the book uh, so that he can like cleanse the world or whatever. It's pretty dark, and yeah, that's actually an apt kind of an apt comparison, just just with respect to the demon and it being like controlling and whatnot. Okay, is that what that book's about? Cool. Yeah, it's about uh, yeah, it's really cleansing the world, and the of like, fucking. American audience was gonna put a white kid in the front of that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh damn! Yeah. Uh, well, there's, there's more to it, but eh, not. I mean, there far was off. there was conversation around that when they made God, that decision. Damn! Like he kills a bunch of people in prison too. I think. Yeah. And like it's he, like as people are like, oh, that's gonna be that's gonna translate really well. <laughs> Leave it to the internet to overread. Uh, <laughs> as per usual. So, all right. There's there's quite a bit of news that we have to get into here, but I don't want to do that yet because I have a question for you guys, and no, it's not random. It's a regular. It's question. a reg- It's a. It's actually quite. It's planned. a question I've had on my mind recently, and the reason why I've had it on my mind is because I've been in a relationship for nine years. And over the course Uh-oh. of those nine years, I have watched quite a bit of superhero media with my girlfriend, Rebecca. And I think she's pretty knowledgeable now. So my question is, who do you guys think that the, their girlfriend of us is the most knowledgeable about comics? Hmm. <laughs> Uh, I All right. feel like, are we, <laughs> yeah, are we, are are we, we counting uh, Kale's wife, who's a professional? Yep. <laughs> okay, then I'm going to give it to her. I think. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Well, I, I guess that's not fair. Okay. So instead, right. I'm going to ask you guys that's a different right. question. Who do you think okay. girlfriend is the most knowledgeable about what we like in comics? About what their significant other likes the most within comic book media. Oh, okay. Nope, not mine. <laughs> you would say what, Pete? I would say Rebecca. Really? <clears throat> because Rebecca, I mean, like. Rebecca knows what Sean Sean's likes? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's All what right. I'm saying. Because cause I, I think, and I think that. To me, like, my thought process there is, like, not only, like you said, you guys have been together for a really long time, so, like, that obviously already, like, is a point in your favor, but the fact that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think she had any relationship to, like, comic media before you guys got together, so I think that would also be a point in that favor, right, because if it's a thing that she got turned on to because of you, like, your tastes are going to, especially in the beginning influence a lot of what she's consumed and knows about right because she was checking it out because it was something that was important to you um so i feel like that that to me makes me think that it would probably be her that's my guess yes because there is an active resentment on my end so 
<laughs> to resent me. That's pretty rough. Uh, what do you I've think? I've been seeing so? someone for three months. She doesn't know nothing about my <laughs> tastes. There you go. That's not nine have years. You, have you even seen her in three months? That's fair. It's I haven't seen her in a month because of quarantine. Kale, do you agree with the assessment that Rebecca knows my taste better than Jess knows yours? That's what really this is about. Oh. This, uh, well, this I would say is tough because Jess, Jess and I have a pretty active... Uh, uh, Keep it PG. <laughs> Uh, a pretty uh, i'm borrowing this term from marco because he just said it an active resentment towards superhero films Mm -hmm. but we also went through uh a master's degree together where she uh learned basically everything i like and this is this is the thing that really um hits the nail on the head for for me is for it was while I was still in New York I can't remember if it was Christmas it should must have been Christmas she got me uh uh the Darwin Cook flash uh action figure and the tick one of the tick oh. graphic novels mm. as well as an over the garden wall comic con print that's pretty cool so, I think Jess knows me well enough to know that I, the stuff I really, really like, uh, can be pretty obscure. Uh, but I will also just about give anything a shot. Keep it PG. I think I gotta go. I think I think I gotta go, Rebecca. Yeah, I think I gotta go, Re- Rebecca. Wow. I, but I think I think like I think Jess really does know, but I also don't make it easy. <laughs> Phil, do you agree with that assessment? Listen, I think Rebecca knows you really well. <laughs> I'm being straight. Like she, I feel like she's got you pretty pegged. Well, I appreciate. Hey. Oh, I didn't know you were into that. Oh my hey, god! Keep it PG. Keep it, keep it PG. Keep it PG. We need sponsors, okay? We can't talk about that on this podcast. <laughs> as long as you keep it thirty seconds away from the ad, you're good. That's funny. Thirty seconds is how long Marco keeps it. If you know what I'm saying. Oh my god! <laughs> Come on, boy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a long and slow lover. I don't okay. know why you mentioned lovers. I. What are you talking about? No. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm just saying I mean, like, 30 seconds is a long a long time to some people. Yeah, isn't that just how long you t- oh, take to read God, a comic book? poor Jess. <laughs> <laughs> I've made no compunction about how I'm bad at sex, all right? <laughs> what? Okay, I know. Wait, just, wait, 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 wait. I'm wait, offering wait. my condolences for her. This conversation must yeah, shift. I, all I, I was think, trying... I think Rebecca knows your comic tastes. Okay. <laughs> I it, that's kind of sad. I didn't think that you know you guys would all agree because I thought we could set up a challenge. I thought we could set no. up a challenge. No, like let's a- set up the challenge. Yeah, yeah. set up the Sweet. challenge. My, it's gonna hey, get we denied. We can do it. Okay, because uh, Jess isn't gonna hear it, so I'm gonna lose. Well, but the cha- yeah, Rebecca listens to this podcast. The challenge is this: we play 
the newlywed game. Oh. But only with questions about comic book stuff. Uh, I can Absolutely. see that being fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do I it. Could, I would love to do that. Yeah, I think Phil... Phil will be the host. Would have to be the host. Yep, I'm sorry. Phil's the host. Yeah. The four oh, of okay. us will get our girlfriends or fiancés or wives, whatever. Uh, <laughs> this is a good mark. And we space. will all play. And we'll do it. Absolutely. We'll, here's what we'll do. We'll do it in, you know, a, a, a yet-to-be-determined date that's not anytime right now. So we can and quiz. we'll quiz and we can prepare. Get and ready. between now and then, we're going to come up with a prize for the winning couple. Okay. I like this, this is, a lot. This sounds great. <laughs> look at look at how dead Marco's face is right now. He's got no emotion. He Marco's, hasn't said a fucking word. Marco's mad that he's gonna have to put money toward a prize. He's not even gonna win. <laughs> he won't even have a chance. It might not be. It might not be a monetary prize. It could be something else. We're gonna figure it out. But uh, yeah, this is something that I I, I, I think almost, we should do. I think I almost prefer the idea of it not being a monetary prize. Like it should be like some kind of like uh, I don't know, like some kind of like power that you get on the show for some, you know, like you get some kind of jet get out of jail free card. It could you know? be that one idea that I had. I wasn't going to say it today, but one idea that I had was the winning couple gets to choose a losing couple and make them admit. The most embarrassing thing that has happened oh, no. between them in their relationship. Oh, man. We're gonna learn a lot of oh, dirty laundry no. about Marco. <laughs> He's so upset. Okay, I'll get the laundry list ready. <laughs> this this sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, so we're doing I'm into it. this. If, if, I'm into yeah. this. If you guys listening like this idea you want this to happen let us know we will work to make this happen at some point here down the road not too far from now um we're always up for a fun game and uh i want to put this to the test i want to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that rebecca and i are in sync that's yeah i i I think we know that already (laughs) it'll be a major upset if you lose sean Jess and I are the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> oh, God. Damn, I was percolating on that joke, and I just couldn't get there. Respect, <laughs> Kill. <laughs> it's not the first time you couldn't get there. Way. Marco, hey. are you are you all PBPG. right? I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just experiencing this with you guys. <laughs> That's it. Yikes. <laughs> Sounds like you are really excited. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about something to... Uh, perk marco up let's 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 bring marco back because uh a justice league dark tv series is being debuted on hbo max it's being worked on for hbo max the streaming service coming from uh warner brothers marco how does that make you feel uh warm on the inside Good. How about this? J.J. Uh, Abrams' Bad Robot will actually be de- uh, developing it and producing it. Mm, lukewarm on the inside. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So we've talked before about what's going to happen with Justice League Dark. It's been apparent for a long time that there are plans for this team. Um, I think, who was it that was attached? Benicio Del Toro? Guillermo. Guillermo, yes. Guillermo. Yeah. Um, Yes. Was attached for a while for a film, and that wasn't able to come together. They relaunched the team in like 2016 or 17, uh, and that was pretty cool. Um, and now we're finally going to get a series. Do you guys feel like this is the right platform for Justice League Dark? And how do you, how should it be done? Uh, Not I, by J.J. Abrams. <laughs> well, 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 I mean, true. T- to that though, um, Pete did bring up a point when we, we had shared this in the in the Discord that it is being produced by him. So, you know, we still have the opportunity for the writer, for the director, um, and I think I, I, I do think that there's a lot of opportunity there, especially with successes from the DCU shows and then Watchmen as well, where they were willing to do something a little more off, off, uh, offbeat. And I, I think it should be somewhat of a balance between that, where they're willing to extend the story and sort of bring their own sort of spin to it um, within the contained universe. But be able to integrate some of the the elements that may, they may not have had budget or room for on like the DCU app for a show like Doom Patrol or, or Swamp Thing. I think I think there's there's a good precedent there, and I think with the right team, which I feel like the HBO, the the HBO and the the Warner Brothers, I guess TV show, uh, side has been able to put together you know they've used james wan uh david lynch all that kind of stuff and, and i do think that there's a lot of opportunity and uh I, i'm i'm optimistic that it'll be i'm optimistic that it'll be something that would be up to par with those two shows and and would be successful did you just say they used david lynch oh i did <laughs> They, they didn't, right? Dude, a David Lynch. I was gonna say, I was like, what the fuck did David Lynch do? Yeah. I was like, I, Marco probably knows what he's talking about. All right, Marco is so <laughs> rattled Lynch. right now. I feel like, yeah, what he's like, he's scared. He's scared, dude. He's scared. He's scared of the competition. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's the important thing. To keep in perspective, right, is like the new the headline being presented here is J.J. Abrams is making this. And it's like, oh, well, he's producing it. And like there are times where producers are very creatively involved and there are times where they're really, really not. Um, and I maintain that like I don't necessarily think it's a, a bad thing for him to like him being a producer doesn't necessarily mean the well is poisoned. Um, it really depends on like who's directing and who's writing and how like how much oversight does does he have because if all he's doing is like serving from like an ep role and it's just his company's name on it then we have nothing to be worried about right like let's wait and see who the rest of the talent is um if he's more involved in like a um, you know, the kind of producers that are like really involved in the beginning and getting the talent together. And then once it's off to the races, it's kind of like they move on to the next thing that could also be fine. Um, because I think really where he struggles is like 
as a writer and, uh, you know, um, like, yeah, and as a as a creative more than like as a, um, you know, as a producer because he's had production credits on things that have been solid. So um, I this doesn't make me excited, but I don't think we have to like immediately be worried that it's going to be, oh, J.J. Abrams is making this. It's going to be messy and shitty. Uh, I already think that. Uh, David Lynch <laughs> Justice League Dark would be cool. Uh, <laughs> that, man, that would be nonsense. It would be. It would be cool. Um, <laughs> so, you get to, oh my god, that new thing he did on Netflix is basically a detective chimp film. Oh, what are you talking about? I need to know more. Have, have you not seen this thing? No. So what, what it is, is it's, ba- this, it's basically like a 20 minute film of David Lynch as like a detective of some kind interviewing uh, a monkey, but the monkey has like superimposed like human lips and he's talking in like a, a really broken voice and he clearly committed a crime and it's so fucking weird. See, why can't that be on justice league dark? Well, detective (laughs) chimp is, you know, a member of the team. So the new iteration. Yeah. Dude, I just, I, I'm so upset because really what I want for this is the Guillermo del Toro vision that we were sold like 10 years ago or whatever, because I really feel like he would nail it. Yeah, um, my thoughts on this are that it would have been really cool for them to be able to bring that to life, and I think a lot of us hitched our wagons to that idea, but uh, <clears throat> I don't think that... This isn't this isn't a situation where it's uh, yet more or bust. I feel like there's still potential for it to be good. I can't. I mean, J.J. Abrams has like a very unique style, uh, a very unique by way of bland bland style, uh, and he brings that. I feel like to every project that he's involved with. Uh, so that kind of makes me feel worried about it. But Justice League Dark is a project, like I said before, that they've wanted to bring to life for a really long time. So if they're announcing it now, this is like one of the first things they've announced for that uh, streaming platform for uh, HBO Max. Uh, And they're attaching J.J. Abrams to it. And he had the ability to choose. I feel like everybody involved is going to want this to be the best possible thing it can be. Which makes me feel like it's it's primed for success. Yeah, real quick. Do you guys remember uh, when he and his son co-wrote a shitty Spider-Man book? <laughs> that still isn't finished? That still isn't finished that I have kept out of the news for months and months and months when they've put out articles talking about how it's delayed again. It's been delayed did, forever. Did- did new did a second issue ever drop for that? Yeah, it did. It was it was it was really bad. Yeah, they're they're on to like I think the last one. I think it's like they're the delay is on five, I think. Well, uh so just quickly bring it back to the Justly Dark stuff. Uh I'm my main concern is that it gets done because more swamp thing is always a good thing. Hopefully he would be on the team. I mean you you would think oh, that would be, be a no brainer, right? Yeah, especially the, the recent I mean, success of the show. Success, is uh, a strong yeah. I was word. gonna say the show was successful enough. 
that he would at, at least be on the team. Like the, you know, whatever the producers, you know, thought of it, like the higher ups thought of it, like the, the crowd response was at least big enough that it, you know, it, it, it seems like a no brainer. Well, He's also like one of the most recognizable yeah. characters associated with the team. I think, you know? like, I think him just having a TV show in the first place would is evidence that like, you know, he's a recognizable enough figure to be on a team like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, however long ago when, when we did that thing where we looked at, like, the top DC characters ranked or whatever, like, he was, you know, not super, super high up, but he's definitely higher up than a lot of characters and who have gotten these kinds of attention. So, like, when you think of, I don't know, when I think of Justice League Dark, like, he's one of the first two or three characters that would that I would name. You know, for a shortlist for a team. Yeah, I, I feel like it's it's pretty likely <clears throat> that he makes the, the cut. Um, him, Constantine, Zatanna, like there you go. It's kind <laughs> of a bummer in a way that we won't get Wonder Woman. She's uh, one of the members now, and yeah, good. <laughs> That'll be so cool though. No, Come on, dude. How not? Like, what did do you not mean? Like no, that, I did not like that reboot. You don't like it. Just appeal, I don't like appealing it. to the noobs. Bummer. All right, well, uh, that's that's going to be a developing story uh, for quite some time because, you know, casting hasn't been announced. We don't know a director. We don't know anything. So um, I wouldn't expect to see not a shred of video footage from this show for the next probably year or two. Um, but uh, something to look forward to for sure and something that for me makes me that much more inclined to subscribe to HBO Max. Uh, yeah, I think HBO Max is going to prove itself to be a real contender, you know, like not just because of the original programming, but in the same way that Disney Plus was able to come on the scene and immediately be a force because they have such a huge library of shit to leverage. So if they can hit with something like this and keep you engaged and be a part of that conversation like yeah i think they're gonna be a pretty compelling offer definitely so someone who is looking to jump into the film and television streaming world is actually boom studios they've signed a first look deal with netflix uh which is i mean that's pretty huge uh yeah it's a big they work together on the unsound uh, Ooh. yeah, the, the, a film uh, that they put out with uh, actually the director of Shazam, David Sandberg, which is pretty cool. Wait, what? Wait, that that came out? Uh, yeah. According to the Newsarama article, they previously oh they were previously collaborating, so maybe it didn't maybe it didn't actually yeah. get to come out. But uh, I don't think it came out. But I remember we talked about the news. Yeah. Of so it. yeah, because that's a that's a Cullen Bunn book. That's we, uh, yeah, pretty good. We did talk. Yeah, I remember us talking about this, but I, I guess I don't know where that landed, but I do remember talking about that. So this was back in November um, when they when the deal came through, according to the rap. Uh, so I, maybe it's still in development, and that was like what started the conversations that led to this deal. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> Brian Wright, who's Netflix's VP of Original Series, said uh, Boom characters are innately special. They're colorful diverse and varied and their stories have the power to ignite something in all of us we can't wait to bring these stories from the page to the screen to fans in every corner of the world 
So uh, apparently it's a two-year deal. It won't begin until January 21st. Um, and uh, interestingly, Boom had a first-look deal with uh, 20th Century Fox before this. So, yeah. oh, huh. so, th- so, so I guess that's how they got freed well, up. Once that deal expires, then this one will take into effect. So they can't actually do oh, anything okay. until 2021 interesting yeah so uh not really much to say here boom is cool i like boom i think boom has put out some pretty cool stories um they had one oh sean yeah you you cut out there could you just repeat that uh there's not much to say here boom is pretty cool i think we probably all have read something by boom that we liked daybreak is probably the my favorite thing that i read of theirs um and i think there's a lot of room here for some pretty cool stories to be told outside of the comics pages so good for them yeah i mean um i've I've definitely been a fan of booms like not a huge fan i would say but i've read a few books by them i really appreciate it and i I think that i just really like their strategy like they have such a good mix of like original you know creator kind of driven books but then also like really high quality adaptions and stuff like that and you know they've got like a lot of really good like all ages books with like adventure time and and um steven universe and all that kind of stuff and like they they're they're really a cool studio and i think they've been one to watch for a while and seeing them get to kind of like elevate the brand a little bit and show off some of their original ip um is awesome because i think like there's a lot of stuff that you could like that would be prime for a sh- like a I feel like a Lumberjanes animated series on Netflix would fucking probably blow the fuck up, you know. So I I they've got a lot of good stuff that they could leverage. Just just looking at like I was like oh I wonder what like other properties they have because um the the Giant Days would be huge. Uh, they have uh, Abbott, which I think Sean you've you've Love read. That. Yeah, it's real good. Um, I know. Uh, oh, uh, something is killing the children, Sean. You called that out as tremendous. like one of your favorite books of last year, yep. right? Yeah, um, could Gra- be an awesome adaption. Grass Kings, which I know Kale's a fan of. Like, like they they have a lot of potential here for like really really good content. I really love uh, Irredeemable and Incorruptible as well. That could be like you know Netflix. I think. Oh, that's as right. Much as anybody, they want a superhero adaption that hits, and that's like a great original superhero story. Um, that's, you know, got a clear arc and it's not crazy long. Like you could get a few seasons out of it, but it's not something like that you'll never be able to, to do, you know, without doing it for like for years and years and years. So, um, yeah, I, I, this is great for both of them, you know, like Netflix needs to keep it up with the original content and, you know, they've been getting into some of these more like, you know, uh, like bigger budget comic adaptions and stuff like that. This gives them more IP to leverage and it gives Boom a chance to uh, get some of their, you know, their smaller and, you know, mid-tier series in front of more eyeballs. Yeah, I mean, I would hope that they would focus more on the bigger properties first because... What one would you want to see the most? Um, I really, quite frankly, I really don't care. <laughs> That's just me being honest. Um would you just, uh, would you be stoked to see they do Armory Wars with Claudio Sanchez? Yeah, yeah. I know that's <laughs> not like I was going to say. Is that a big one? I mean, Am- Armory Wars is a is a 
Yeah, Wars, right? I mean, I, I don't know how big it is for Boom. Um, I know that Coheed has quite a few fans, uh, and you know they're yeah, sure. they're very loyal. So I'm pretty sure that that book gets picked up. Um, I've actually had problems finding it in Midtown Comics, which sounds weird, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't care what they put out. I want them to put out what is most likely to hit because that's how we'll yeah, get more yep. stuff. So right, um, yeah. Hopefully they make some good choices on that front. I think Pete and Marco laid out some really great options for them. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't foresee this being anything but a fruitful endeavor. So let let's shift over to comics. Uh, obviously, right now comics are in a weird spot because of the coronavirus, and believe it or not, that's our first mention of that this show. Um, All right, but. Comics are in a weird spot. We're going to talk a lot more about that a little bit later on. But we do have some good news to report. Uh, And that is the fact that even though comic book shops and the direct market are basically kaput for the time being, the book trade is actually doing really, really well. So as most of you know by now, Diamond is the primary distributor for comics, uh, especially in the direct market. You really – there is no other game in town for the most part. Um, But – when you're talking about other places, when you're talking about like uh, book fairs or book stores and things like that, that's actually ha- uh, handled by different companies. Um, so something like Penguin, for example, one of the more well-known book publishers or Simon & Schuster, um, the publishers will, will ink deals with them to be able to get books into different places, Walmart, etc. And schools and shit too, you got to yeah, imagine. Yeah, book fairs, yeah. Um So, sales in those markets are actually up and consistent. Uh, ICV2, uh, Milton Grepp over there, he does reports regularly about the sales of of, of coronavirus, the sales of comics. (laughs) Sinister. (laughs) Sales of coronavirus is high. That's a fact. Um, And according to him... uh, March 2020's sales for the top 20 kids' graphic novels were actually up substantially from March 2019, and that uh, the top 20 adult graphic novels were similar to those from this point last year. That is really good news, because what it says is that even though we're struggling right now, people are still hungry to get their comics, and that if they can't do it in the traditional way, they're they're getting them however they can. Obviously, there isn't there there is a uh, that is a different branch of the people who purchase comics in the sense that it's not necessarily the case that people who go to the local comic shop week to week are the same people who buy comics from book fairs like young kids or who buy them from Barnes and Noble. Those are likely two different camps. But this is still positive because for the for the industry itself, it means that interest is as high as it's ever been. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, like, looking at it and seeing that, like, the it was specifically the kids' graphic novels that were up substantially. Like, you have to imagine on some level that's influenced by the fact that everybody's home right now, too. And, like, parents are looking for ways to keep their kids engaged, um, which is, is cool. But the idea that, you know, and... 
I hate to go to the doom and gloom, but we've talked about how there's a chance that this whole scenario really does deal a major blow to comic book shops and the direct market in the way that we currently buy them. And the idea that there's like a new generation of readers who are getting accustomed to like buying trades in this way is also a thing that's good, uh, which is also a good thing that's uh, that's a good thing for the health of the future of the industry that you're having this new generation of readers who are getting accustomed to an emerging way to buy the books. Cause we've seen that's been up year over year anyway, is, is people buying the, the trades from book markets and book dealers. So yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Um, it's, it's, you know, obviously it doesn't speak too much to the people who are struggling right now in shops, but it's good to see that comics are still selling and that, you know, um, we talked about last week, like the fight between comics and kind of other entertainment forms. And this seems to speak to the point that I, th I think it was Sean who made where it's that like people are, who want to read comics are going to find ways to read them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Parents are going out of their mind or just like, ah, fucking read this Batman book and shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Please read this Batman book. God, leave me alone. Or read this book by uh, who's uh, Raina Tel Telgmeier, right? Yeah, yeah. Raina Telgmeier. Yeah. Ooh, I have one of those. Oh, sure. Yeah. You do? How is it? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Which one did you get? Smile. Ah, yes. Okay. That's supposed to be the big one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. What about Dog? Wasn't there? Wasn't there a book... Uh, that we had read about where it was just like the adventures of this dog and there were like a ton of books about this one dog. Uh, was that oh. one of uh, oh, oh. the guy who did uh, Captain Underpants? Yeah, yeah Dave Pilkey. Yeah, Dave, Dave yep. Pilkey. It's like Super Dog or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I want to read that. That's Yeah, Captain Underpants and uh, he had another character too. It was a spinoff. Well, if children's books aren't up your alley but you're still thirsty for more comics, there are new books coming out here or there. Uh, through different channels, and I wanted to highlight one in particular uh, because Ed Brubaker and Marcos Martin have teamed up yet Whoa. again, this time with Munza Vincente, to release Friday through their website, panelsyndicate.com. Uh, they've released other books through that website. Um, I can't remember the titles of any of them right this minute, but uh, they've put some stuff out yeah. through there. Marco, you've probably... Uh, yeah. Uh, Barrier came out through this. Thank you. Yeah, Barrier, uh, and then uh, Private Eye, mm -hmm. which is uh, another the BKV. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Kavon. BKV. Books. Yes. Yep. Uh, and uh, and Marcos Martin and um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, how do you say his first name? Munsta. Sure. Vicente. Yeah, Munsta. they worked on both of those books with Brian as well. Yeah. Uh. So you. Sean, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I just had a question on, on this because uh, it is digital. So I was curious to see whether or not you'd pick it up or like read so it. So I read it. Uh, you, It's uh, actually pay what you want the way that this – the way that Panel Syndicate works. I believe it's for all their books is yes. uh, they're released piecemeal uh, in chapters and you can read them by paying whatever you feel like paying, whether that's nothing or a million dollars. Um and if you pay, you actually get to send a message directly to the creators and they will be forced to read them. Uh, I did read Friday. Uh, I I enjoyed it. It's a good read, but uh, it was a frustrating experience uh, because, first of all, when you first open the page, I read it on, a, on my browser, on my desktop. When you first open the page, it is absolutely not fit to read. 
Um, the the font is way too small, so I had to you know fiddle with zooming to get it to a readable place for me, which is not something you should have to do when you're reading. Um, and then some of the art wasn't all the way easy to see. There are some uh, instances where I couldn't quite tell what was happening because I had to zoom in a little bit more. There were instances where I hadn't scrolled down enough on the page. So I went over to the next page, not realizing that I wasn't done with the page on the left. So I missed things and I had to go back and read that. So again, you know, I, I've expressed before that I don't enjoy reading digital and this just reinforced that feeling. I think um, these are all all the panels in the get books are like odd oddly shaped too like the dimensions yeah. are different yeah. and everything um which you know i think most comics readers are kind of like for that you know the standard scroll um but i know when i read um uh private eye and i also read the the walking dead the alien thing that brian came on and marcus martin did with them and i know you can get a cbr or a cbz which are like the standard like comics archive files and if you use a comics reader rather than your browser um you'll probably have a better experience and obviously not for you because you already read it like you're not gonna go back and read it again that way probably um but to any of the listeners if this is something that you haven't really done before uh that's probably a better way to go about it um and i know i forget the name of the one that i that i used to use all the time the one i have on mac is called comic home it's really good the one that I use on PC is C Display. I mostly read on my tablet now, but when I used to read yeah. on my, um, yeah, my what, PC, I, C Display is what I, I use. I wonder how those um, those will look on on a tablet as opposed to a computer. Surely, that would be a, yeah. a thing they would think about in this the you year of our Lord twenty twenty. <laughs> even the fact, I'll, I'll even the fact know. that you have to download additional things to be able to read the book is just like. I'm I'm over it already. At, at, you know, if I can't just buy it and read it and have a good experience, I should. There's no reason why I should have to put in extra work. I think that's wild. Well, yeah, and like I get what you're what you're saying, but with that, um, and I'm not trying to sell you on it. If the, you don't like reading books that way, you don't. But I feel like if you do read books that way, like you have a comics reader, you know. So like, it's something you really only have to do once, and then you don't really think about it anymore. Yeah, um, I wanted to shout it out though because I do think it's really good, and I love the fact that you know right now during these trying times, uh, you know this is a book that you can read by a great creative team, um, you know, and it's a good way to pass you know the ten minutes it'll take you to read the thing, and then the twenty five minutes it'll take you to read the thing if you decide to go download a reader. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one question, Sean. I know they end up doing prints of a lot of these books yep. after the fact. Is this a book that you would want to get the print of and read it that way? Um, I mean, it's only chapter one, so it really depends on whether it stays good. But if it's good, I would absolutely mm. pick it up in that in that format. Cool. Because I, I have all of um, uh, Barrier physically, and I, I never checked it out on panel but my friend bought all the singles for me when she was working at a comic book shop and uh they're really cool it's neat to see you know something that like is in that kind of, in an alternative style than what you're used to you know like the print and everything very very cool they do good yeah, stuff over there. i enjoyed barrier I, I i bought it uh physical as well marco will you check this out yeah i downloaded it awesome 
Wait, you already <laughs> so I already gave. I gave him forty five dollars. Let's go. <laughs> so, in more good comics news, perennial comics bad boy Donny Cates <laughs> has turned a new leaf. Um, you should charge him for that nickname. <laughs> The reason why I refer to him that way is just because he gets a lot of flack on Twitter. He is uh, just a very controversial figure. He's always saying something that gets people mad at him. Um, Sean, he called him a bad boy. And I open up the article and it's just a picture of him. And he's just like mean mugging the camera and throwing up the horns. Like, yeah, "Yeah, what's up? Yeah, that's his brand. Absolute bad boy. Look at him. (laughs) <laughs> but but now he's doing good things. He shouldn't have devil horns thrown up. He should have a halo on his head because he is trying to anonymously, although, of course, nothing can be anonymous anymore. He's trying to anonymously pay for people's pull lists at the comic shops local to him. I believe he is. Yeah, he's in Austin, Texas. And so he's been paying for people's pull list. He paid for the entire pull list of a few stores that have reported. We don't know how many he's done it for because I'm sure certain people were, were cool with keeping it quiet. But uh, that is a really, really awesome thing for him to do. Um, Austin Books and Comics put out a, a message on their Facebook page about it. He said, uh, they said, dear, com- dear customers of Austin Books and Comics, we have some great news. Most, if not all, of you know of the comic writer Donnie Cates and an amazing show of support for not only the store, but for you as well. He has decided to pay for your pull list. If you still had a pull list in the store as of yesterday, it's now paid up. He has requested only one thing in return. The money that you set aside for your pull list now be spent at the center of Austin fandom for more things you wanted but couldn't get because of budgetary concerns. Try some new series, get a board game, buy a statue for a friend in need. Donnie has shown once again that we are a community, that we help each other out. That is exactly what the world needs right now. Yeah, man. Good on him for this. This is a, that's a classy move, you know? Um, He didn't have to do that. And uh, he's just, you know, making an effort to give back. And that's that's a cool thing to do. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for him in a way that it was revealed. I mean, good press is good press. But, sure. uh, you know. What wasn't really the point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. He wasn't doing it to get attention. And, like, you got to imagine that there's going to be people now who are going to be shitty to him on Twitter where they're like, oh, he's an asshole. He just did this to look good, blah, 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 blah. And that's, you know, that wasn't what it was about. Yeah. Donnie Cates, pay for my books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and honestly, a lot of creators have stepped up to do some really cool things. Uh, the hashtag creators for comics. Um is blowing up and a lot of creators are, are auctioning off their time. I saw Jason Aaron uh, was auctioning off him coming on to a podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ask me. I went up quick. Go ahead. No, that price went up quick. Yeah, it really did. Do you know what it ended up at? What, what's uh, that? La- last I saw it was like five something. Yeah. Too rich for It was up to seven. It was up to seven, seven when I saw it today. Yeah, seven hundred. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Marco, your previous comment reminded me of uh, 
I remember on Twitter, someone found Jeff Bezos' Venmo account, and everyone started like requesting payments from him. Like, <laughs> Jeff Bezos, pay my rent, bitch. Well, I, I, I picture you like finding Donny Cates Venmo and be like, Donny, buy my Swamp Thing, bitch. <laughs> buy it, buy it. <laughs> Ask me later for my Jason Aaron story. Uh, well, yo, no, I think I, I think I'd rather hear it now. Actually, <laughs> no, no. Okay, we'll see all right. one for off mic. I low-key thought you were going to be like, g- ask me how much I, do- I I tried to spend to get him to come on the show. <laughs> nope, not that. Yo, I, I was having an existential crisis thinking about whether or not I should buy another Tyler Crook piece of artwork, but uh, finances are not there yet. But it was he tur- he turned weighing his head on me. I, I, Gonna guess he was looking at his fiance, who was like, "No, finances are not there yet, Marco, for you to buy more art." Yeah, aren't you getting married in a different country? Uh, no, not a different country. Same country, but we don't know if it's happening. Mm. Yeah. What, gotcha. What's the what country is that? Got Kim? me. <laughs> uh, you got me. What country do you guys mm. live in? I live in Europe. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, so you don't know anything about America? I can't right? keep track of. Uh, <laughs> Sure. Can't keep track of uh, your dumb country. Hey, yeah, quick question. Oh, what, sure. What, uh, your dumb country. What nationality is Marco? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ecuadorian. <laughs> all right. All right. So. And? Yeah, yeah, and? Puerto Rican? There you go. Yeah, oh, is that yeah. the other country that he's having his wedding in? Is that? Could be. I, don't, I told you, I don't fucking know. God, man, school systems in the Midwest, huh? <laughs> I live in Europe, so it's not. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot. You're European. If you are an audio only listener, I highly recommend that you head over to youtube.com slash the comics pals right now and just, just get to this moment and look at Kale's face as he tries <laughs> to determine the answer to Pete's question. Worth your time. <laughs> Also, rewind and go watch when Sean suggested that we have a game show because Marco's face is <laughs> <Jeff's> kiss. <laughs> so, of course, we've, we've talked about the good news in comics um, and we're all hoping for some more good news by way of an announcement regarding when we can go back to stores and buy books or at least when books will have new or when stores rather will have new books for us to buy. Diamond, being, you know, the only game in town when it comes to the direct market, is saying that they would like to try to hit a a mid to late May deadline for starting up distribution again. They put out a, a, you know, a release uh, talking about this very thing. They put out a statement and uh, they had this to say. While there are many steps and conversations that need to happen between today and resuming distribution of new weekly product, we are currently targeting mid to late May with the hope that, as an industry, we can all work toward that time frame. Of course, as we all have seen, target dates sometimes need to be adjusted in this ever-changing new normal. But we cannot wait for firm dates. We have started the planning process are having these important conversations with publishers and retailers so that once we have more clarity, we are in a position to restart and scale operations over time. So that's that's basically what they had to say about that. And I think it's great. 
that we have an idea of when they're looking to start this up again. But I wonder if they're feeling the heat. Because uh, DC recently, you know, they recently said that they're going to be publishing new comics really soon. So I wonder if um, if Diamond feels like they need to do this before other publishers start to see the light and go somewhere else. So my thought, my thought on this was that it'd be nice if we can get it uh, at in May. But then I was thinking about it. They distribute all across the country, and across the country, there are different thresholds to which stay-at-home orders are at. There are different uh, yeah. curfews, or different like so there are certain allowances that that other states don't have. Like uh, I had sent an email early in the week to to my LCS and he had mentioned, you know, for the time being, they're not even doing curbside. Like he's just not even in the shop. And, um, regardless of when new comics get, start getting published, uh, when he feels it's, it's safe for his customers is when he's going to decide to open up. So diamond can decide may is when they're going to start distributing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the shops are going to start accepting that within, within certain, you know, limits but still there is that additional consideration there and i i think it's an ambitious goal but i don't think that i don't think that it needs to happen quite yet they run in on that trump timeline yeah i'm really it's kind of morally dubious of both diamond and dc comics to even talk about this in april like april 28th is when i think dc is talking about doing it right yeah that's 10 days away from when we're recording I mean, it's like these books have to be manufactured and they have to be distributed. And like those conditions aren't going to be really safe for people that uh, presumably have to be quarantined still. I mean, you're hearing about all the things that are happening in Amazon warehouses. Like it is a shit show. Like if we want this thing to get better, shit like this should not be happening right now. So this is really questionable from both companies. Yeah. Well, and I think to Sean's point, like, I'm sure Diamond is feeling the heat. You know, like, I'm sure they feel like their feet are to the fire. I think that's we're why this talking, is happening. Yeah, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks about how, like, publishers are looking into alternative solutions. People are realizing that having one company handle the publishing for an entire industry is ridiculous. Um, because of exactly what's happening right now. Who would have thunk it? Uh, right. Uh, mostly just you, I guess, Marco. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I think it's clear that there's a problem with the current system. And, like, Diamond doesn't want anyone to know that because their profitability depends on being – or at least their current level of profitability depends on being the only game in town. And if people start coming up with their own solution – or going somewhere else, or they keep burning money and run the risk of getting bought by a penguin or, or a random house or whoever, like we've talked about. Like none of those scenarios are good for Diamond or their current leadership. Man, they don't want to see that ground wah, wah. at all. I'm gonna buy the comic distribution. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Take that, Cape Crusader. I'm gonna ruin your books. I'm the hero now. <sighs> wah, 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 wah. 
I want Danny DeVito to buy Diamond Diamond. I'm the Emperor Penguin now, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I appreciate that. So we, we mentioned uh, DC Comics looking to start, um, you know, putting books out again. As of April 28th, which is 10 days from today, those of you who are really good at, you know, math will understand that that's actually a Tuesday. Um, DC is looking to change the, the new comic book day to Tuesday to get everything in line um, between bookstores, digital and, um, uh, you know, local comic shops. And... Um, yeah, they want to start publishing books. I'm going to read their press release. DC Comic Books are returning to comic shops beginning Tuesday, April 28th. After a four-week break, fans can celebrate that new superhero stories will be arriving at operating retail stores. After surveying more than 2,000 stores across the U.S. and Canada, it became clear that many comic book store owners are finding new and creative ways to get books to the fans who want to find them. To find stores that may have new titles, visit the comic shop locator webpage, gives the webpage. Uh, check the page often as we'll be updated with new retailers. The new slate of titles including includes, also available for digital, the following books. Batman 89, third printing, Daphne Byrne number four, The Dreaming number 20, Nightwing 70, second printing, Batman Giant number four, and it goes on and on. It tells us the slate for the next two weeks. What you'll notice immediately is that these are drastically reduced slates. These are not the full slate of what they would be putting out. These are, you know, just the, the, the bigger books that they want to get in front of people. The other thing that I personally noticed is that this doesn't include books like uh, uh, Strange Adventures number two, which I don't believe ever actually came out. It doesn't include Batman 93 uh, and several other major titles that, from what I've been able to gather, they're deliberately holding back on. James Tinian talked about how the new the next issue of Batman won't be coming out until June, regardless of all this. So that's one piece of DC's plan. And before we talk about everything else and before you guys uh, jump in on the conversation, I actually wanted to quickly read a little bit of what Diamond had to say in response to DC's announcement. We value our partnership with DC and will continue to support them as a distributor. Our focus is squarely on getting our industry's entertainment products in the hands of fans as quickly and as safely as possible. As we shared this morning with our vendors and retailers, we are currently building our restart plans and targeting mid to late May to begin shipping the weekly product. If we see signs that it is safe to resume shipping earlier, we certainly will. However, with the limited number of retailers open and most customers on stay-at-home orders, our focus is on supporting our industry and the health and safety of our stakeholders. So, reading between the lines, they're basically saying, hey, you guys are putting everybody at risk and you shouldn't do that. Um, we are going to wait until it's safer, but we're not going to move too slow because we don't want other people to do what you are doing. I'm not surprised. We talked about DC for, we've talked about them for weeks, how they had no initial response. Last week, we didn't include a news item that actually spoke about DC reaching out and, and doing a survey with publishers to see how, you know, whether they were open, you know, whether they were doing, uh, curbside, what they're, what they were doing. Uh, um, and so it appears that 
in the midst of that, DC actually came up with a strategy to serve those retailers that are still open. And I don't know. I don't feel like it's I don't feel like it's not safe necessarily. I mean, doing anything right now is not safe, but I don't feel like if your retailer is still open, chances are they have a way of getting the comics to you that doesn't involve you risking your life. I thought it was interesting that, uh, like you said, Batman and Strange, Strange Adventures aren't the ones that are being shipped, uh, you know, soon. Yeah. They're, you know, you said Batman was on hold until uh, June. So that makes me, that sort of makes me wonder, you know, if there's some sort of obligation, some sort of deal, some sort of, you know, something uh with between dc and diamond to make sure that they still like those are right now you got to imagine those are the two big titles from dc yeah i wonder if you know there there's still something in between dc and diamond that you know either dc still wants those two books to get the reach of the popularity and the sales that they normally do uh, or if Diamond's just like, please, 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 just uh, will it'll be fine. Uh, don't give those. I'm wondering if <clears throat> if the books that because a lot of the books that are that were listed at least in the short list that Sean read us were were reprints. Um, I'm wondering if these are books that were already printed, and that's why because like the new stuff hasn't been done yet because Diamond hasn't been operating, whereas this could have been stock that they had that was set to go out and then got interrupted or you know was sent back or, or what have you strange adventures 100 um, percent was printed because it was scheduled to come out the same the week that dc first said they were going to be putting out new books that they weren't going to stop putting out new books strange adventures was on that uh list so it definitely exists in physical um why it's not on this list who knows? I would imagine it's because they recognize that there is a way to sever their relationships with certain retailers, and that would be by putting out books as big as those. Yeah, that's a good point. So there's a story behind all of this, and it's, in my opinion, pretty interesting, and it involves what looks almost like people trying to keep certain retailers trying to keep themselves anonymous. It involves DC, you could argue, going behind the back of Diamond to set up a new distribution platform and some very, very angry retailers who feel betrayed by DC. And we're going to get into all of that in our main topic. DC, in their attempt to get comics, new comics, into stores and wherever else, uh, has enlisted two different uh distributors to help them out now uh this is actually really interesting because these are distributors that we've never heard of before lunar distribution and ucs comic distributors have agreed to work with us to distribute these new comics that's coming from dc to assist with the immediate distribution of DC titles during the ongoing COVID-19 crisis, we've secured the assistance of two distributors to help facilitate orders of and shipping of our revised publishing schedule. Uh, 
So who are Lunar Distribution and UCS comic distributors? On their face, I don't know. you wouldn't know, right? <laughs> I'm sure no one here knows the answer unless you read the articles. It didn't take long for Bleeding Cool to crack this story. Of course, uh, Bleeding Cool, led by the incomparable Rich Johnston, tend to be at the forefront of stories like this. And they got ahead of it in a major way. I want to frame this before I say anything more by just reiterating the fact that DC Comics has clearly not wanted to play the waiting game from day one. They were the only major publisher to not have words for the public within the first few weeks of this. They were going to publish new comics like nothing was going on before massive backlash from the retailer community. Um, They were in talks with, I believe it was Penguin, to publish books. That was something that we talked about here on the show. And they put out the, um, they they put out the, uh, what's it called, the survey to try to see what retailers thought and what positions they were in to be able to, re- to, to be able to start selling comics again. <clears throat> All of that is the framework for this new announcement. Now, I'm going to get into who the new distributors are. And I'm going to do that by reading from the Bleeding Cool article by Rich Johnson. DC Comics gave out the big news to retailers today that they will be publishing print books again. On Tuesday, April 27th, they will have copies in whichever stores in the USA and Canada are able to still sell them, whether in person, outside, or by mail order. DC will also have day and date. They named the two distributors they have done deals with as UCS Comic Distributors and Lunar Distribution. But who are they? Bleeding Cool has made inquiries without response, but it is notable that these appeared to be brand new endeavors. The inquiry address on Lunar Distributor's front page gets their own URL incorrect, listing it as UCScomicDistributions.com, not UCScomicDistributors.com. The websites are relatively minimalist. All they want is for people to apply to them with scant information as to the origin of these companies. The domain name for UCS was registered by GoDaddy anonymously on the 8th of April, 2020. The novelty of both (laughs) suggests that these companies were set up over the last week with the express purpose of taking on DC Comics distribution and none other. What arrangement the companies have with DC Comics is not clear, nor if they would be open to working with other publishers. It is possible that this may not even be an option. There is also no mention of the non-North American market making around 15% of DC Comics sales. In the direct market with focal points in the UK, Ireland, France, and Australia. Diamond UK has been holding a week's additional titles from all major publishers with no update as to how that will be handled. So Bleeding Cool reporters called both UCS and Lunar earlier today. No one picked up, but UCS diverted an answer phone machine for HAL at Midtown Comics. One of the largest comic stores in the U.S., Midtown Comics of New York, also handles Marvel and DC comics subscriptions as well as comp copies for creators and other talent. Lunar 
Just had an answer phone message with no identification, but further investigation identified it as an operation being run by DCBS, the largest mail-order comics company in the U.S., based in Fort Worth, Indiana. The early days of direct markets saw one store setting themselves up as a distributor to other stores like Pacific Comics. Could this be a return to the early days of the direct market in more ways than one? Mind-blowing. Holy shit. Oh my... Yeah, that is Mind-blowing. So, those of you... yes is right. (laughs) Those of you who've been listening to this podcast throughout this process or have done your own research will know that DCBS did an interview with Newsarama where they said at the time that they were having active conversations with DC Comics about how to continue to publish books during these trying times. This is the answer. Wow. This is, yeah, I mean, this this could represent like a major shakeup. And obviously the article calls out like, if this is just a DC thing, that's already a big deal because they're such a major player. But like if we're about to have several viable alternatives to Diamond... That's like, that would be that would be a game changer. It really would. It's shocking, and I wonder. My first thought, right, when I saw this was obviously, wow, this is crazy. My second thought was, why are they hiding who they are? Why are Midtown and DCBS not? just doing it through the through their own websites why do they create new websites why do they go through all this effort to conceal their identities uh well i i don't think they're concealing it i think they they operate differently like dcbs and midtown are b2c right it's to two consumers directly where this is more of a b2b so like business between business and like that that inherently calls for different uh, distribution that in, that calls for different negotiations, different conversations that need to be that need to be had because they're addressing two different two different markets. One is directly to other publishers and other companies, whereas the other ones are are really directly to people like us or the consumers and and, and the customers. So I think I don't know that it's necessarily concealing as much as it is creating entities so that they can provide the a different type of service. Why go out of their way to hide it? I mean, I don't know if they were hiding necessarily. They they only made it like uh, ten days ago, so maybe it was just they're still building building the infrastructure. So and you're not gonna try to put something out there that isn't necessarily half baked, or you you wouldn't want to. Yeah, that's that's the impression that I was getting too. That it's like a, it, it seems like a fairly normal tactic for what amounts to like a product launch, right? Like. Or like a brand launch, um, and you see that all the time. Like I, I know uh, during my day job, like I, I work as a digital marketer, right? So like one of the things that we see all the time is that companies create sub brands to serve different markets because that way you don't mix the message of what your company does. Um, and there's also the possibility that, to Marco's point, right, where they're they don't want to announce this new brand and this new you know, initiative yet because they don't have things like a logo and a website and all these things like properly executed yet and they don't want it to look 
like this shoddy thing that they threw together in 10 days because they did throw it together in 10 days. Um, there's also the possibility that maybe what Marco and I are picking up on is wrong and that the reason that they're being somewhat, you know, um, acting in the shadows, I guess, on the launch of this is that what they're doing right now is only working with DC and they don't want to damage relationships with Diamond or other publishers or, you know, people who they don't have these same kinds of deals worked out with yet. It feels to me, and I could be wrong, what it feels to me like is DC is more concerned with getting the next issue of Batman and Justice League out than than the safety of like human beings because they're willing to work with whatever distribution they need to, whether it's a like what seems like a startup shell company of some kind. Um then working with Diamond who's expressed their discomfort with everything because obviously they're not talking about shipping until may uh and this just feels like doing whatever it takes to get the next book out there might i correct you for just a moment one of those titles was uh the fourth printing of nightwing so <laughs> your your life is only worth the fourth printing of Nightwing to DC. <laughs> there, and, and I think that's fair. Like I think I think that's a fair point that that they're prioritizing their own immediate sales of over the safety of people. Um, but there have been larger conversations about Marco like, absolutely would. And 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 to my next point is like they're having conversations about what is an acceptable loss of and like what is oh, accept, no, an acceptable buddy. wait let me finish let me finish what is an acceptable threshold to be able to restart the the business to be able to restart the industry right if, if we if if the concern has been retailers are going to fail because we aren't providing them the books that they need in order to sell albeit this is sort of a weird way to do it um is there a threshold which we can say is okay fine we're putting people at, at X percentage of risk in order to be able to save the jobs and livelihoods and their lives of having to feed people that way. That's such a that's such a misnomer. A lot of companies are using this kind of faux lever no, no, no. equation bullshit. And DC's no, 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 no. not. But then, no, please explain the value of human life to me. Go on. <laughs> so, so right, right now, r- right now, right. If if uh, uh, the speed limit in the, the majority of the speed limit in the U.S. is around fifty to sixty miles an hour, right? That how many deaths, how many car accidents are there based on the ability to be able to either scale up or scale down the the speed limit? If we had zero speed limit, right, uh, there'd be ideally zero deaths and as you continue to increment and increase the speed limit on uh, on that you will have more and more percentage of death increase right so right now we have an acceptable limit of death in this country based off speed limits because we said okay at 50 at 50 miles an hour we know that x number of accidents happen because people are going at a certain at certain speed and that is an acceptable loss to to the the people who start and post up those speed limits if we know that by decreasing the speed limit to 25 miles an hour that you will minimize the the threat of endangering people's lives like that's that's a fact so at what point do you do you consider it acceptable yeah so that's funny because 
that is what the CDC is saying by gathering in no groups larger than 10 and by staying home. Because knowing that not everyone's going to adhere to these CDC guidelines, these are the acceptable guidelines to try to mitigate the amount of loss of human life as much as possible. Same as making the speed limit 55 as an average around the country. What DC Comics and companies like Amazon is trying to do is say, hey, let's make the speed limit 90 miles per hour. I think that's a good idea. Uh, what? I mean, aren't they just bringing it back? And Bring it back? What do you mean? Right now it's at zero, the speed limit, right? They're bringing it back they're bringing it back in the middle of a pandemic yeah, yeah but like to lower levels like you're still going to adhere to certain restrictions what and you're still going to be Marco, six feet apart what they're saying is that to your speed limit and out analogy um is that they're not operating in a vacuum so because of the fact that even though like you said zero that's zero for publishing and distribution in comics that's not zero for america so the more people that are that are working the more people that have to be involved to get these books out there is actually uh in, uh increasing the risk of death overall basically they're uh, it's like it, it, okay so the speed limit is 55 miles per hour it's like okay what if we didn't have brakes on the car <laughs> <laughs> well yeah what i mean or or like seatbelts or ma- uh, public transportation didn't have a thorough lane that they could go through like like there there are mitigations that we take in order to protect people but then there are other mitigations that we consider it acceptable to continue to live i think the the yeah right like the the point that i think marco is making is that for the comics industry as we know it to survive like some people have to die there has to be uh, basically, yeah, and I don't, and I don't think he's saying that as a value judgment of this is a good or bad thing. It's that like that's the reality of the of no, the deal, not. right? Is that well, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, I, I guess it's not. I'm sorry. To, I, God damn, it's just pieces of tree were hallucinating. Like, <laughs> no, 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 I, I, and I don't, I don't mean that. Um, I don't mean that in that black and white. I guess, but I guess. To the point of that, the the distribution pipeline needs to reopen at some point. For definitely not now. <laughs> I'm not arguing that it should be right, and like I I think that May is uh real optimistic, and the fact that DC wants to do it in ten days uh, from next now week is yeah. fucking absurd. <laughs> yeah, is absurd, right? So like, no bones about that. I'm not arguing on DC's behalf. I'm playing devil's advocate for the sake of this conversation in terms of that like. What Marco is saying is that at some point shops need to reopen, right? And that at when that point comes, unless we wait until there is um, a widely circulated va- vaccine, there's going to be some level of risk associated with that. And I guess the question is, what is the acceptable amount of risk when it comes to selling comic books? And I think you guys are arguing none, and I think that's probably true. Now let's let's hear from a galaxy brain perspective. <laughs> Now, there's a lot of people who are saying that 5G is responsible for coronavirus. Now, what is DC yeah. Comics trying to do? What are they doing to mitigate 5G? They're trying to launch 5G as an event in comics. There you go. Is You're that right. a coincidence? Wow. I think now, not. Wow. Now, this is that Rich Johnston bleeding cool shit. I think Phil solved it. You just... 
Now, blew this whole thing wide is open. DC trying to spread their 5G as a cure to Corona, or more sinister, is DC spreading Corona through their 5G initiative? <sighs> Ask yourself, dear listeners. I want to know what you think is the answer. So, <laughs> I think I think everyone understands that eventually we need to get back to business, but. We also understand that we're right in the middle of this crisis and it feels foolhardy to make this kind of decision. And again, of course, it feels like, hey, I don't have to put my life at risk, but I'm telling you to put your life at risk so that I can make more money selling comics. That's what it comes across like. Yeah, and like acting like they're doing you a favor because it's going to allow you to save your business. The reality is, as we look around the country, we're seeing curves flattening in major hotspots like New York and New Jersey, uh, you know, Washington, Florida, California, etc. And I understand the uh, the antsiness of being like, okay, great, the curves flattening, we gotta get back to normal. Like, obviously, the economy is suffering. 23 million people have filed for unemployment over the last three to four weeks. Like, I understand the antsiness. But the reality is states and cities are applying more and more restrictions and uh, requesting people to wear face masks or they're in public. All kinds of things because the reality is if we if we get out of this too quickly, which is what D.C. is trying to basically propose here – uh, spread is gonna the spread of it is gonna happen even more quickly because people are gonna be more and more interacting with each other, and there's still a lot of people carrying COVID nineteen that don't even realize they have it. Well, let's let's shift gears a little bit. Let's get back on on the the topic at hand here with with you know what the the mechanics of DC's plans are. So they did put out a press release. We read a little bit of that. Let's read a little more. To that end, instead of simply lifting and shifting the same schedule titles for each of the missed in-store dates, we've made changes to the publishing schedule. The new schedule is designed to allow each of you to begin ordering a limited amount of DC product at first and then ease back into the number of books that represents a normal release schedule from DC when your business can accommodate it. Uh, they also, as I said, changed the new comic book day to Tuesday uh, for the time being. And they also talked about how distribution would be handled. And it's going to be handled by splitting the country from east to west. And so, as you would imagine, uh, uh, Midtown, a.k.a. UCS, will be handling the east and Lunar, or uh, DCBS, a.k.a. Lunar, will be handling the west of the country. And who's handling the north in Canada? Would that fall under the jurisdiction of the Great Lakes Comics Palace? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's going to well, be... Oh, you ask who it's under, whose jurisdiction it's under. Oh, it's under mine, eh? <laughs> they, they actually split Canada as well. Uh, so Lunar will be taking certain portions and uh, UCS will be taking certain portions. Now, Does that affect the Great Lakes, Sean? Um, I, I think it does. I mean, we're talking about the U S and I feel like we're right. You know, the great lakes are right smack in the middle of that. And of course that requires us to do our jobs of saving the industry as well. Um, one element of this that didn't come up here in this conversation that I think is at least worth positing is the fact that maybe 
DC, Midtown, and DCBS don't want to anger other retailers by announcing this as Midtown Comics and DCBS. Because at that point, it's retailers buying from another retailer. And those are already massive. Midtown Comics is, I think they're global in the sense that they'll deliver anywhere. They will ship you books from anywhere. So that's competition at that point. And they're now retailers have to get in bed with their competition in order to get their books. How is that going to work when it comes to things like their discounts that they get? You know, um, there's a lot of questions there. And asking some of those questions are retailers themselves who, you know, have been outspoken throughout this process. Uh, including one Joe Field, who we've referenced before. Uh, he is the owner of California's Flying Colors Comics. He talked a little bit about his problems with this strategy. So I'll read what he had to say. A lot isn't known yet, but a lot is being asked of retailers at a time when we're all very vulnerable. DC called this a solution-focused plan, but it initially feels more like chaos than a carefully and, and responsibly crafted plan. We don't know what discount and terms we'll get from these new distributors. We do know that handing over our sales information to directly competing deep discounters is not attractive or workable. DC did say all product will still be available through Diamond, and that seems to be more responsible course of action for most retailers, given current circumstances regarding COVID. And if I'm getting something wrong here, it's because the communication is incomplete, ill-timed, and rather inconsiderate. So obviously he's kind of more middle of the road, but trending towards negative. There are some realities of this that are uncomfortable for retailers. I do want to read before you guys jump in a more harsh response to this. And that comes from Mark Nathan, who uh, works at Cards, Comics, and Collectibles uh, from Reisterstown, MD. What's MD? Maryland. Maryland. Medical doctor. <laughs> so he said DC Comics stopped being the direct market's favorite publisher when they began the Walmart deal this is just more of the same public safety for our extended family should be our first thought not selling the next issue of Batman my store is a diamond comic distributor store I dealt with Heroes World and others in the 90s it went poorly for everyone clearly DC did not learn from history nor do they seem to care for the orders of my state or governor do they believe my shutdown is not for the safety of my great state of Maryland or do they simply or or do they simply don't care that's how it's their actions suggest the worst of their motives I will not be signing up for this I will wait for Diamond to reopen a company run by people who love comics, its history, and its passionate fans. There will be a time for the next issue of Batman, and it will be needed then, not when its release puts people fu- puts people's future in danger. So, for context, for those of you who don't know what Heroes World Distribution was, it was another comic book distributor that was around in the 70s, 80s, and 90s that was purchased by Marvel in 94 and is often credited with being what led to the giant financial bubble crisis of like 1997 that led to almost the end of the comics industry the first time uh and you could see the parallels being drawn here obviously right 
So with the added context of, of retailers, not all retailers, but a couple of retailers there speaking out about this, how does that change or add to how you guys feel at the moment? I think for me, it's what's really interesting is that I do, I do think the, the, the idea that Midtown, especially if they're shipping globally already, like the fact that they should transition into distribution, like that makes a lot of sense to me. I think what I have a problem with is like the same thing that everybody else has a problem with is the timing. Yeah, it feels like I I feel like all of this, right? Like this whole move feels very, very predatory. Yes. You know, like it's, it's very much we're taking a global crisis that is disrupting the industry and they're trying to use it as an opportunity to like quote unquote disrupt the industry in the more traditional like Silicon Valley definition of to, that term, right? To the idea that they're ch- even changing the day. Right, right. And being like, we're going to do it on Tuesday now. And it's like, fuck you. Because, you know, like that, that is a huge. And when Sean called that out originally, that was one of the things I had the strongest reaction to. Because that's such a fuck you. Because it, when you think about the retailer, right? Like if, uh, unless everybody in the industry agrees that they want to move to Tuesday now, now you have two new comic book days that you have to deal with instead of one. Now you have two days where you have inventory coming in that you need to stock and shelve and do all that bullshit in two waves rather than one wave. That's a huge pain in the ass. Well, I want to I wanna stop there because I don't think that the implication is that that will always be that way. I think what's being stated is that oh, for the just time for this first being, one? no, that for the time being, while this situation is what it is, that they would release on Tuesday. I don't think that they're saying this will always be that way. Now, if that's true. So random. Why? Yeah, why? The reason is because they want to synchronize releases so that everything comes out at the same time, so that there's synchronization between bookstores, comic stores, and digital. But that yeah, but- that that seems to me like that synchronization would continue. Like, why would or they, they would go want against it that anyway. later? Yeah, yeah, that would be much easier for them. And um, and if they can that- strong arm stores into doing it, then why not? It doesn't seem to super convenient. You know the rest of comics that would distribute the next day from Diamond that that just that would further complicate things. But again, that's why I don't think that this is something that will continue once Diamond is back in business because that wouldn't make any sense and it would cause a lot of problems. Uh, Diamond is probably not going to agree to that. That's a whole other, you know, that's a whole other thing. Do you so you think that DC goes back to Diamond when this is all over and goes back to Wednesdays? Well, that that's really the question is whether yeah. or not DC and Diamond will continue to work together once this is all said and done. I think that if I were Diamond, right, I would take this as an aggressive move on DC's yeah. part, yep. and I would I would struggle to want to work with them going forward. Obviously, they released a statement that says otherwise, but listen, you know these are press releases. Um, this could can they afford to not work with them? I think is the question, could, right? Like they're such a big percentage of the market. This could really blow up on them, though. If this whole thing fucking fails because of a the pandemic and b DC has such a big record of fucking things up to begin with, like 
Imagine going back to Diamond afterwards and be like, hey, hey, guys, what's... <laughs> Crawling what's back. Our books again? Well, and, and not for nothing, but, like, uh, Midtown 2. Like, there's still a retailer that still gets all their shit from Diamond. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, this This definitely feels like... I'm not gonna... I don't... Like, I can't think of a better word than this, but it feels like a coup. Like, it feels like... They're moving in the shadows while everybody's freaking out to establish a new order. Um, and that's probably a little too, you know, Game of Thronesy. but... It might, it might be something to that, though. Might- but, like... I'm about it. It does seem that way. It really does. And, like, people do that in business, you know? Like, I don't feel like it's that crazy for you to put that out there. I really don't. Is this... Did President Wilson Fisk have anything to do with this? <laughs> He's <laughs> actually likely. the man behind all this. He's in prison, so there's that power vacuum, you know? <laughs> the president's in prison? <laughs> yes. So I, I read is... some... Go ahead, Marco. Sorry, I, just that, the last one on this one. Like, that is... I've been a huge critic of Diamond, and for DC to go out and be able to do something like this, I think it's, yes, aggressive, but and a fuck you to Diamond, uh, which I have no issue with, but I... <laughs> I, I do think that there there might at some at some point be a positive to this, especially if other distributors or publishers come come along for that ride. Um depending on whether or not they you know, they, they will. But <clears throat> I, I think this is at at the very least something ballsy that DC is doing that. Um while maybe morally dubious, uh Shit, I mean, like, I've been asking for something radical for years, so I tip my hat to this. It feels like their yeah. attempt at a Wolf of Wall Street type thing. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah. So I I read some critical comments from retailers, but I did want to balance that out by reading a couple of uh, positive reactions to this. And uh, the first one comes from Jen Haynes, who owns The Dragon. Which oh, that's is, a cool purchase. Uh, it, I know. <laughs> it operates out of uh, Ontario. And she says, I think businesses should be able to adapt into the forms that they need. If DCBS and Midtown built a successful business that includes a large mail order component, so be it. I don't begrudge them success. Look, DC is trying hard to get us our books. I don't think we have time for all this right now in this industry. We don't need drama. We need to come together as an industry. We need, we need to build each other up not tear each other down. I do intend to order product. I'll be checking what my subscribers need and order to those numbers. I'm ordering from Lunar. Diamond cannot direct ship into Canada right now. So those were her thoughts. And then Ryan Higgins, who has consistently been uh, Joe Field's opposite in these conversations. Of course, uh, he owns Comics Conspiracy in uh, California, said the following. It's a slow rollout, which will give stores the ability to work with reduced staff or process orders from home. Holding back Batman 92 is probably the best idea until we're all on the same playing field. Selling five copies of Daphne Byrne isn't going to save the industry, but it is needed to keep customers engaged with comics and their local shops. I think um, the comments from who's the the first woman you quoted? uh, Jen Haynes. Yeah, from Jen Hain, I think I think that's an interesting take because to her point, um like Diamond 
can't like distribute to her right now you know like uh, why wouldn't you go to an alternative you know and i think um to marco's point too like diamond is like not you know i don't think that they're like the end all be all to like how this can be done so the idea of like there being an alternative is a good idea i think i think the thing that makes it so like unsavory is just the context of when this is all happening you know, if, I think if this was something that was happening six months ago, like, we'd be, I think there'd be a way different conversation around it, you know? But oh, right I'd now... I'd be wearing, I'd be wearing a DCBS t-shirt. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, I, you know, I think, like, we've all been critical of Diamond in, at some capacity. Um, and I think in general, like, at, at, having a monopoly is bad, right? Like, the fact that Diamond is the only game in town is not a good thing. Um but we've, we've actually said a few times that we think we're like – we're talking about how they're doing this in the middle of a crisis. I, we don't even know that this is the middle right now. Like this could still very much be the beginning. And the idea that they're like out there kind of to Sean's you – know, uh, not necessarily point but what you said, like kind of acting in the shadows and, and, and trying to you know, establish like a new, new world order more or less like – it sounds a little conspiracy theory, but I think that's I think that's what they're doing. And you know, from a business perspective, fine, yeah, that's a smart move. But yeah, man, like there's a human cost to this whole thing, and I don't know, dude. Like it 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 feels gross. It really does. Whether or not the need for an alternative service is is valid, um, which I think it is. I think. The question of whether or not it's a good business move, I, I feel like it's up for debate because you think so. Yeah, because they okay. So unless every retailer agrees to this, right? Let's say uh, let's say that DC and Diamond cannot mend fences. Unless every retailer agrees to this, DC is losing money. They will not make. The same amount of money they used to make. Once this is all over with, obviously, right now they're making more money by publishing these books and getting them out than not because, obviously, if they don't do it, they're not making money. So, yeah, for now, but long term, I just read from retailers who say they will never work with DC again, or or not not I shouldn't say that that they won't take part in this. And fair enough, but like I I question that. Because like yeah. D, like granted right now DC's percentage of the market share is smaller, but like you, I have such a hard time believing that like retailers who how long ago we talked about could not survive a ten percent reduction in sales would be like okay well we're just never going to sell Batman again. But I didn't say you know? that. What I what I said was that they don't want to do it now. They don't want to work with DC now. Right. Uh, if but isn't go ahead, Kale. Wouldn't wouldn't some money for DC right now be better than no money? According to DC, yeah. But again, we talked about the human cost, which of course is people having to work right now, people having to you know box these and ship them and all that jazz. Um, so there's that element of it. But then on top of that, there's the element of it where you're now pissing off the people who are responsible for selling your books. And just because I am a retailer and I sell DC Comics, 
Um, and then now I'm not going to be selling DC Comics because either my stores close or I don't want to work with Lunar or um, or whatever the hell the other one's called, UCS. DC, yes. Maybe when things go back to normal for the world and DC keeps this going, I might bite the bullet, but I might not pump DC the way I used to. I might not prioritize DC the way I used to, which is going to hurt sales. Um you can't just say, screw the relationship that we have with retailers. In an industry this small, you can't do that. And that's exactly what DC is doing. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. That is what they're doing. I guess I guess the the counter to that is, can enough of these stores afford to not push DC product because it's so popular uh, for that to matter to them? You know, and I, I don't know. I just, I guess, I guess that's the gamble they're taking right now. Yeah, is that they're enough of a, a a market leader that you know people will acquiesce, even if they're mad right now, and they say we won't, but they might need to. And I think, I think to that, like Batman is either the usually the top or the the second highest seller, but. Marvel's been taking up what almost the other eight slots in the top ten. Right. So like, yeah. Where where even is that balance, right? Um, Great point. Because like, yeah, I I would agree, but I think it it just depends on how people, how badly people do want those DC books. Well, to to that idea from what Marco just laid out, if DC is already struggling in the marketplace, what will happen when they antagonize and piss off retailers and now they don't want anything to do with dc yeah great short term good for you long term i don't know that's true but i don't know that shops would shoot themselves in the foot for that like just be like like yes this is extra work and yes this is uh an uh, an extra step but at the end of the day they need they do need a portion of that for, for revenue like I don't know that you're not gonna gas those books up anyway because you know that your readers are coming in for that. Kel, where do you land? Uh, <laughs> I, I went to you because I thought you were ready. You seemed to be. You seemed to have something on the brain. Oh yeah, sorry. No, well, what I was gonna say is like, but the thing is, like, they're again, like, like we said earlier, they're launching this with the fourth printing of Nightwing and. Daphne Byrne, like, like, their their what their move, like, while substantial, like it, it, you know, like Marco said, Batman is number two, but they're also not leading with that. Hey, now Daphne Byrne's not bad. They have a third okay. Pr- I I don't know what the fuck that, that is. Even even Ryan Higgins, who is in favor of this, said selling five copies of Daphne Byrne is not going to save the industry. So, again, it's 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 a weird move on that front because it's like, obviously, if you really want to sell comics, you're selling Batman 92 right now. Now, not in June. So, clearly, DC still cares about their relationship with retailers to hold back Batman. But to what extent... Are they willing to push the boundaries of their relationship with these retailers um, and and potentially break them? What happens if in June 
we're not back to normal and Diamond is not operating fully and stores are not all open. Will they commit to that release for Batman or will they push it back again? Yeah, because because to that, I, I don't even know if it's the like like just like an additional theory to that. Like, I don't know if it's necessarily the them maintaining that relationship, but they know Batman's their biggest seller. So how could you maximize your profits in this environment currently? It's by doing it at a later time where things are ideally a little safer and that you can start bringing people into the store to be able to. Because if you did it now, like you're going to get a, a portion of what you would have gotten normally. But if you do it later, you might get a higher portion of that. To me, ultimately, this isn't the time to antagonize retailers. This isn't the time to start a pot like this. Like we see what Donny Cates did and we're seeing things like this across the board. Like this is the time to try to like work together for the most part for the survival of the industry and for the survival of people. And what DC is proposing right now is in the face of that. And they're getting the negative publicity that they rightly deserve for it from both media outlets and from fans and from retailers. And understandably and justifiably so this is a yeah they've, they've cast themselves as the villains yes they're truly uh dark side right now and dark side isn't always is i barely dog dark side will put down batman 92 dark side would go all in <laughs> who's the half measure villain then i don't know mongol they're mongol uh what was his name Penguin the guy from maybe. justice league that they that they replaced uh dark side with wolf Wolfgang Amadeus. It was Wolfgang uh, Amadeus. Uh, it was Steppenwolf, yes. Yeah. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Classic go. DC villain. The true DC villain. They are Steppenwolf. So, Steppenwolf. I, I, I did want to read a little bit from Joe Field, a little more, because he adds actually another wrinkle to this that I feel like is worth chewing on before we close. I wonder if all... DC, WB, AT&T staffers will be in their offices full-time at the end of April when they expect retailers to be in our shops full-time to handle this new product. Some shipping lanes are still closed. Many areas of the country are shut down until mid-May at the earliest, and most comic retailers are not able to operate near 100%. I wonder if WB movies will be in theaters by April 28th. They won't. Why expect (laughs) more of comic book retailers than the company does of its movie wing? Why is there so much more pressure on DC Comics than there is on WB? Thinking about that, that's why I'm hoping there's another shoe to drop. Maybe this is a corporate tactic to move DC, WB, AT&T further away from the comic specialty market. Maybe DC is content with two mail order houses selling all their periodicals so they can then move all their book product to Random House. I'm hoping the relationship between DC and Diamond can be healed, not just because it's good for those two companies, but because it's good for the entire comic specialty channel. Still hoping there are more and better moves left in this gut-wrenching chess game. I was uh, scrolling through Twitter to try to find uh, people's reactions to this, and uh, this one guy came up, B. McCray, says, "I I read Newsarama today, and oh boy, DC's restarting distribution be a lunar? Is it so? Because selfishly, that's eighty five percent of my poll right there. That's the only one I found that wasn't just like a retweet of the article so far. I wonder if he pulls Daphne Byrne. So <laughs> <laughs> probably pulls Nightwing, looking to get that fourth printing. Baby, <laughs> gotta have it, dude. Gotta have it. 
He missed one, two, and three. I, I, I think what Joe's what Joe's putting down is that this is a move that DC is being forced to make, not one that, you know, Jim Lee and and those executives at DC are wanting to make, which is interesting. It's um, possible. It is possible. And it wouldn't surprise me too much, unfortunately. But I think what we ultimately have here is a situation where this is an industry in crisis. We've talked about that a lot. And it feels like DC is not trying to help the industry. They're trying to help themselves. And in the short term, maybe they make a few dollars. And maybe those retailers that are open make a few dollars. But in the long term, I'm very concerned about the ramifications of this choice. Is it worth it for you as a retailer to risk your life going outside, opening your shop if it hasn't been opened, uh, engaging in some form or fashion with your customers to sell the fourth printing of Nightwing? (laughs) Is it worth it? to have warehouses running to print Daphne Byrne number four and put the lives of those workers at risk to get that book into the hands of fans who desperately need it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is to DC. Maybe there is an acceptable loss threshold, as Marco uh, elaborated on earlier, that DC is comfortable with. But if that's the case, is DC really a company that you want to be associated with? Is DC really a company you want to buy comics from? Is DC a company you really want to patron? That's a question that I think now they're putting in the minds of fans who never thought that way before. And they're putting that question in the minds of retailers who never thought that way before. They made themselves the enemy of an industry that needs them desperately to be a hero right now. And I feel like we might have dark times ahead as a result of this decision. What what if this just emboldens other companies even? I just don't feel like that's where we're going here. I feel like... Go ahead, Mark. Oh, go ahead, Phil. This is Crisis on Infinite Retailers, and DC is the anti-monitor. <laughs> nice. Uh, I mean, you know, you, Marco, and to a lesser extent, Pete, have been beating the drum of change in the industry, and I don't think that change is a bad thing. But uh, I think that this is probably the worst time possible to be trying to commit to, you know, widespread change when literally going outside could be you putting your life at risk right now. Yeah. and yeah. I, 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 It's a bad look. I, I feel like I said it in like uh, maybe two episodes, two, three episodes ago, but the... Um uh, it sucks that it had to take a pandemic for people to start rethinking the distribution and like rethinking all of this. That's it. Oh, <laughs> I think you. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. I I I definitely agree. I think that there is a lot of you know reasons, good reasons why taking a second look at the way that this that the industry functions is is worth doing i just don't know if now's the time to be implementing new strategies but th- again this is what's happening right now right and we are going to cover it as it happens as it unfolds that's part of what i feel our responsibility is here on this show and i'm very glad that we can present different lines of thought 
as it relates to what the industry is facing right now. Hopefully, you guys are learning from us based on our conversations. Hopefully, you guys are staying informed because we need to keep this industry going. And the only way to do it right now is to talk about it. Or, of course, to buy books from your local comic shop. If they're still open, if they're still functional, and they're doing curbside pickup or they're shipping or whatever they're doing, it's 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 a great idea. If you've got extra cash, if you want to blow that stimulus check on some entertainment, definitely consider your local comic shop when you're doing so. Um, because they do buy need your help. Buy a statue for a friend in need. Yeah, sure. Buy a new Spawn statue, whatever Todd McFarlane's doing. <laughs> um, you know, whatever it is, Now's a great time to think about supporting the industry. If you can, if you are able, obviously a lot of people need that stimulus check to go straight into bills because it's a crazy time. Um, but yeah, take care of yourselves, take care of your family. And then when you have the opportunity, if that time comes, take care of what you love um, entertainment wise. So that's going to be where we leave the conversation. I am sure we we will be revisiting this, if not next week, very soon. But Let's do some plugs. I'll start, actually, because uh-huh. I want to plug the show. Yes, yes. Got to let you guys know where you can get in contact with us. Uh, definitely hit us up at thecomicspals at gmail.com if you want to talk to us about what we talked about on this or any other episode of the show. You can get us on social media at the Comics Pals. Uh, if you are on YouTube right now, youtube.com slash the Comics Pals. Thank you very much for watching. We really appreciate it. You made it through the whole video. That helps us out a lot. Um, drop us a like. Leave us a comment. Share this with video with your friends. And subscribe to our channel for more content like this and other stuff. We do lots of cool stuff. When we're able to go outside, we do interviews. Not only with creators, but uh, with stores. We did an interview with the owner of Anyone Comics, Demetrios. That was very well received by you guys, and we appreciate that. So go give that a watch while you're at it. And as far as book clubs go, at the end of the month, you will be able to check out our Uncanny X-Force book club. Uncanny X-Force, of course, by Rick Remender and many, many talented artists. So uh, be on the lookout for that. If you've read the book, come along. If you haven't, check it out before we... Uh, before our episode drops so you can keep up with the conversation there and we've got a whole host of book clubs that you guys will enjoy that you can check out in our backlog so let's jump into the plugs for the rest of us pete thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of the comics pals if you want to connect with me i'm at loud underscore pete on twitter and instagram uh come chat with me about what you've been doing uh for the last month i'd love to hear it um hope you're staying safe and staying sane uh, if you want to get some more content from me, you can check out my stuff over at loopots.com where I host their weekly podcast, The Potscast, uh, all about Nintendo, and uh, the Patreon-exclusive show After Dark as well, uh, where we talk about stuff that's not Nintendo. Um, and I've been streaming Animal Crossing over there, so if you want to go uh, check that out, get some items, whatever, trade with me, come hang out. Awesome. Kale? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TotoInto, that's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Come talk to me about what your acceptable loss threshold is what what comic uh that's currently releasing would you let marco kill you for <laughs> you, <laughs> you can find my work at killord.com that's c-a-l-e-w-a-r-d.com all right marco you can find me at mr marco Enomoto on instagram and twitter if you want to have a uh, 
rational conversation on acceptable loss and the math behind that and you know <laughs> come find me there uh and the then math. i want to have a, a quick shout out to two kickstarter books uh stephen frank's palomino uh it's by dark planet comics so this was a, a really cool book we had some really interesting art like noirish uh so definitely go check that out it's currently live and then also uh 20 fists by friend of the show uh frankie white we did an interview with him with uh for broken bear so you can go find that in our backlog it was a really good conversation uh his ends on the 22nd so if you have the chance go go back that he's a great creator great guy and he's currently doing uh 20 fists number one through three um and it looks like it's going to be in a really awesome queer oriented book so uh go check that out awesome phil Listeners of this podcast, give me your energy. I'm summoning a spirit bomb to help the planet Earth. <laughs> and speaking of giving me your energy, also give your friends energy and check on them to make sure they're doing okay through social isolation and quarantining because not everyone's doing great. On that note, check me out on social media on Cyber Bebop. Speaking of people who are not doing great, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. <laughs> Hit me up to talk about, uh, boy, what's on my mind lately? Um, Digimon. Digimon. Yeah, Digimon. Sure. Why not? Uh, and Westworld. No one, no one's watching Westworld that I know, and it sucks. I need to, I need to finish um, the second season. I'm watching the second yeah, season like right now. Years. Oh. Yeah, man. Come on. Let's chat. Uh, so with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye. Life is just a series of math equations, and you are just a plus sign in the cosmos. I bet the Incredible Hulk's doing really well in social isolation. He was on a whole planet by himself for a while. He's doing all right. <laughs>